we're going to get into Joseph and Potiphar's house. I will <clears throat> address the elephant in the room. I was taught that Potiphar is the correct way to say it, so I've said it ever since I was taught it. If you say Potiphar, that's perfectly fine. Uh, it does not affect your spirituality at all. If you judge me for saying Potiphar, then it does affect your spirituality, but that's on you, not me. So, <clears throat> so that's, like I said, that's the way I was taught it, and I've always said it. Well, not always, but I've said it that way for a very, very long time now. And, but I know some people are sitting there going, why does he keep saying Potiphar? That's the way I was taught, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, but uh, it's interesting, right? The story of Joseph, you come into his life, and we talked about it some last week when we looked at his uh, brothers and what happened there and his dad and everything. Um, and I mentioned it last week, but when you look at, when we get to chapter 39, it seems like from here on out, we just see Joseph as this incredible example of faithfulness of obedience, of trust, of patience. And, and, and we typically view him, at least I have typically viewed him in the chapter 37 as this annoying little kid. And, and the more that I've thought about it, the more I kind of go, man, knowing the story, I don't think that's what he was in chapter 37. I think he was um, someone whose who's God was just on his life. And in, in being that, People were just jealous or upset or confused, maybe, on why God had all these plans for Joseph and, uh, and not for them, right? And so he tells the stories of the, the dreams. He tells the dreams to his brothers and his dad, and it says at one point they envied him, which is different than being annoyed by him. In my opinion, very different. Um, but whether or not you take him as an annoying teenager in chapter 37 or not, I think we all agree in chapter 39 that we just we see full-blown faithfulness to God. And we know that he's young. Whether it's, I'm not sure how much time elapsed between the trip to into uh, Egypt and being sold to Potiphar and where we pick it up here in chapter 39, but... Um, but it's not that much time, so we know that he's 17, 18, 19, somewhere in that range would be my guess. And, uh, and to think of his faithfulness to God at that point in his life, uh, it to me speaks volumes of the person Joseph was. Was he perfect? No. Did he sin? Yes. Uh, but we also see him, not just here in this story that we'll see in 39, or the story we'll see in chapter 40 next week, or the story we'll see with the reuniting of his brothers later on. But we see Joseph here go through so much in his life, so many tribulations, so many hardships, and we just see him stick with it. And what a lesson that should be to us, because again, I don't think we're going to experience what he experienced. But we can experience... Uh, what God did in his life and our lives. Uh, and and uh, to me, it helps remove any excuse I have when I read through Joseph's life. It just, it's kind of like with Job and his hardships, and I just go, well, at least it's not that bad. Honestly, Joseph's very similar, but what I see is how Joseph handled it compared to how I handle things. And it just it, it encourages, it challenges, it motivates me to say, hey, it's possible. <laughs> Right, Because we always come up with the excuse for why we can't. This is why I can't obey God. Here's why I can't go through 
uh, and be faithful in hardships. And here's why I can't be faithful at my lowest moments. But then we look at Joseph and we go, my goodness, it is possible. Even though I'm just a man, it is possible for me to obey God, even in really, really tough situations. So let's pick up the story in chapter 39. <clears throat> in the end of Excuse me, in the end of chapter 37, the last verse, it says the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and a captain of the guard. Uh, chapter 38 is about Judah and Tamar. Whole other story, again, not as familiar of a story, so maybe you go back and read it. Not during this, please, but at some point go back and read it. Chapter 39 then picks up where verse 36 of chapter 37 uh, leads us. And it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, uh, which had brought him down thither. So Potiphar is an important guy. He's not just your average soldier or anything like that. He's an important person. He holds a fair amount of authority uh, in Egypt at this time. And verse 2 starts off with a phrase that I beg for in my life, and the Lord was with Joseph. I've highlighted it in my, in my Bible, underlined it in some other ones, but that phrasing there leads the story forward. We just got done talking about relationship and the importance of our relationship with God. This proves a relationship between God and Joseph. Had Joseph been disobedient, had Joseph been uh, a kid that was always in trouble, all right, not, not obedient, I don't think we read verse 2. I don't think it's in Scripture. But even up to this point, Joseph, his obedience, I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure he was hurt. I'm sure there was a lot of emotion in him. But again, what we read about Joseph is patience, uh, coolness under pressure, calm. But verse 2 explains a lot of it, does it not? The Lord was with Joseph. And he was prosperous. Uh, he was a prosperous man. And again, I look at it and I go, my goodness. I'll, do you look at your life and go, I'm prosperous? The large majority of people... Don't. Most people would say, uh, you know, maybe someone would say, I've done okay for myself, but boy, there could be a lot more. Uh, do you view your life as prosperous? God viewed Joseph's life as prosperous. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it. <laughs> and, and who was Joseph? He was now a slave. And God says he was a prosperous man because the Lord was with him, by the way, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, reminding us he's been bought, uh, sold, whatever. He is a slave in Potiphar's house. Verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did do or did to prosper in his hand. Now, this is something we've talked about as well. Your testimony, the way you live, and the way that God blesses you gets seen by other people. Joseph, a slave... Verse 2 tells us had, had the Lord with him and was prosperous. In verse 3 it tells us not only that he had the Lord with him and was prosperous, his master saw, not that he was prosperous, his master saw that God was with him and made everything he did prosper. 
Joseph wasn't getting the credit. Now that says something about Joseph. The master saw that everything Joseph did turned out well. And he attributed it to Joseph's God. How would he do that had Joseph not lived in a manner, and I would assume spoke in a manner, which proved the fact that God was with him? Now again, I'm reading into it a little bit here, because it's not there for us in black and white of what Joseph said and did. But it says in verse 3, The master saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. And again, this brings me back to the question, in my life, when I do a good job and my boss says, man, you do a good job, everything you do, you do right, um, you do well, um, there's success there, whatever it may be, does he ever look at it and, and go, man, Vince, you're really good at this? Or does he look at it and say, man, God's with you? Not just in the workplace, but everything else that you do, I mean, you can just see God working in your life. Potiphar was not a... Christian man. He was an Egyptian. I, I mean, he, was, he probably worshipped idols like all the other Egyptians. And yet he saw that God was with Joseph, and he saw that everything that Joseph did, God made it to prosper. And we'll see this throughout the Old Testament, by the way, where kings look at somebody else and go, my goodness, your God is taking care of you, and everything you do, your God sure blesses. Daniel, we see that in Daniel's life, where where the king goes, hey, we need, we need some of you and your God involved in what we're doing here, right? That's what our life is supposed to do. It's not to lift praise up to ourselves. And I mean, because sure, I'm sure Joseph was a good worker. He had to have been. But he didn't get the credit, ultimately, from his boss. His boss saw your God is working in your life to make you prosperous. And so what does he do? Verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer uh, over this house, and all that he had put into his hand. That's, that's huge. A slave uh, here, and now he's put in charge of everything. Uh, we'll see in, he's in charge of everything with the exception of Potiphar's family. He's in, he's, he runs everything in the house, which is a, a huge deal. This is not, you know, he's not, he's not the, the maid and it's him alone. Like, there's a ton of things going on in here. And Joseph's put in charge of it all. Verse number 5, And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. What does that mean? It means God was with Joseph that we read in verse number two. He said, I'm going to take care of Joseph. And so I'm going to bless his work, which ultimately blesses uh, Potiphar's house. And, and in doing so, uh, it takes care of Joseph because Potiphar is going to treat Joseph really well. So he's blessing the Egyptian's house for the sake of Joseph. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Like, again, just... Potiphar had struck gold with this purchase. <laughs> Talk about value. <laughs> he's, he's buying people, which we don't condone. The Bible doesn't condone either. Uh, but he's buying people. And, and, and one day these guys roll into town and they got this young guy. And Potiphar says, all right, fine, I'll take him. It doesn't tell us uh, how much he paid, uh, how much Potiphar paid for him. 
uh, other people paid 20, 20 uh, shekels of silver. But anyways, um, I don't think it ever says, right? Anywhere, anybody, am I wrong on that? I've never seen what Potiphar pays for him. Anyways, he buys Joseph, and he's just getting another guy, in his opinion. Next thing you know, Potiphar's going, man, everything this guy does, his God blesses him. <laughs> and now next thing you know, Potiphar's going, I'm getting blessed too. This is great. What a deal. Uh, he left, verse number 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Potiphar got to the point where he didn't even know what was his. Joseph took care of it all. He's, he just says, Is, do I have something to eat today for lunch? Yep. All right, I'm good. <laughs> do I have dinner tonight? Yep. Okay, I'm good. He didn't even bother himself with all of his things because Joseph had it under control. Now, verse 7, we see the deception that had uh, built itself in his father's life continues to hang around a little bit here, even though Joseph was not deceptive. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Verse number 8, but he refused. That's an important word, by the way. Um, the idea behind the word refused is an adamant no. And, uh, and we'll see that continuing through the story. But it's just important to remember when, when sin approaches, we have to refuse it. We can't entertain it in, in any way, shape, or form. And he said, verse number 8, he, he refused, and he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, listen to this, and sin against God? He says, your husband has put me in charge of everything. I can do pretty much whatever I want in this house. There's one thing off limit. It's you, you're his wife. And then he brings it right back to the focus and how he could remain faithful was because he had this viewpoint. He said, how can I do this wickedness, this great wickedness, and sin against God? Which is interesting, right? Because he says, Potiphar has put me in charge of everything. He's, he's entrusted me with everything uh, and all this kind of stuff. But then he turns it right back to God. But I can't sin against God. Pure guessing. Again, take it, take it or leave it. I don't care. My guess is Joseph is not the first one approached, nor the last one approached by Potiphar's wife. More than likely. But he had the goal to say no, to refuse, because he understood that if he did so, he'd be sinning against God, the God that was with him, the God that prospered him. Listen, there is a, a, a maturity about Joseph at this point in his life where he understood everything that has happened good in my life. He's a slave. Everything that's happened good in my life has happened because of God. And if I do this, it'd be sinning against him. And I think he understood to at least a degree the consequences of that. Not with Potiphar, but with God. My guess, and again, pure opinion, had he gone through with Potiphar's wife, um, Potiphar wouldn't have known about it. 
That's my guess. Unless she told him at some point in time, my guess is he would have never known. And everything else would have continued the same, his authority, his position, if it was only up to Potiphar. But he understood that everything that he had, he had because of God. The position that he held wasn't because Potiphar loved him. It was because God was with him. And he said, if I do this, I'd commit a sin against God. And he said, I'm not going to do it. Verse 10, it came to pass that as she spake to Joseph day by day, she wouldn't let up. And isn't that how it works with Satan? He doesn't come by and says, tempts you with something, and you go, no, Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. And then he goes, okay, and he's done. <laughs> That's not how it works. Day by day she came to Joseph. And it says that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. It came to pass, verse 11, uh, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. Now listen, this, that's the stage for the excuses that most people will use. He was alone. No one else. No one else to see. Uh, it was just him and Potiphar's wife. And it says, she caught him, uh, verse 12, by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled, and he got him out. What a key verse to combating temptation. He ran. Flee from fornication. Three words, clear as day in Scripture. And that's exactly what he did. It says he left, he fled, he got him out. In my opinion, they're all three mean the same thing, but God gave it to us three ways. And that's what he tells us to do with sin, temptation. Get out. Isn't it interesting that <laughs> this poor guy in his garments, first, the first special one that he had, his dad made for him, his brothers hated it, stole it off of him. He didn't know what happened to it, but they ripped it up, put blood all over it, and gave it to his dad. Now he's finally got a new one, and what, what happens here? But he leaves it. And verse 13, it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought me in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto him to lie with me, uh, came in unto me to lie with me and cried with a loud voice. Uh, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. What a wicked woman. Um, day by day, she tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And one day she grabbed him and he slipped out and left. And she's standing there angry, holding this garment. And she says, fine. So she screams, she accuses, and is it not to me, and this just hit me, I hadn't thought of this before, um, I'm sure someone else has, that God recorded for Joseph to spare his reputation what happened for all of eternity to see. If somebody throws mud at you, it could stick, and it could stick for the rest of your life. And the only way that you have to so-called prove it 
is your word. And there will be people who doubt, doubt you, and you know, there will be some people who believe you and some people who doubt you. And you've got to live your whole life with that, that, uh, that mud, so to say, stuck to you. That could have been Joseph. For all of eternity, Potiphar and Potiphar's wife would have told the story about Joseph and what he supposedly tried to do. And they would tell it to their people and their other servants would tell it to the new servants that came in. Hey, you better be careful. You know, you don't ever do anything with Potiphar's wife. Joseph tried to and look what happened to him and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure those, those gossiping rumors swept through that household at the very least. But God says, Joseph, I want the, the, the rest of eternity to know that you were faithful. And he gave it to us here for us to see, to clear Joseph's name. That, that, that's interesting to me. Verse 17, Potiphar came home and she spake unto, unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me, and he fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Um, I just look at this, and I think, Potiphar, first of all, you understand Potiphar here, right? At least I do. Uh, who are you going to trust? Uh, we don't know anything about Potiphar's wife except for what we read here in this chapter. Um, so we don't know, you know, what kind of person she was outside of what we can assume she was. But, but uh, here he comes home and, and he trusted Joseph and he was blessed for Joseph's sake. By the way, I'm curious to know what happened to his household once Joseph was gone. But here we see this. Uh, he comes home and his wife tells him the story. What's he, what's he supposed to do? You, we, I've always been taught, why wouldn't you trust Joseph? Joseph was this perfect guy and he did so much for him. And It's his wife. <laughs> That's why he didn't trust Joseph. But again, God using Potiphar and Potiphar's wife to put Joseph where he wanted Joseph to accomplish in Joseph's life what he wanted to accomplish in Joseph's life to teach us how to handle these situations. And listen, God blessed Joseph. This is not fun. This is not easy. Thrown into prison, not, not, not great, right? But listen, God did it on purpose. And he took care of Joseph as well because Joseph did what he was supposed to do. And you would say, so my reward for obeying God is getting thrown in prison? It might be. It is in other places of the world. We're fortunate, are we not? We're to live in America. I can obey God without consequence, without that kind of consequence. There are people all across the world today, or within, within the Sunday spectrum of wherever they are, time frame-wise, went somewhere to worship God with other believers, and the consequence very easily could be being thrown in prison if they get caught. But God says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And guess what? They got up on a Sunday morning and they went and they worshiped with other believers. We got it so easy. And yet, we complain as much as anybody. Huh. Joseph did what was right. And his reward 
It wasn't prison. His reward's coming in a couple chapters. But we look for immediate reward. Applause, pat on the back, God doing something for you because you did right this time. <laughs> hey, keep doing it. Because God's outcome is far better than your outcome. Stick with it. Uh, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. This is He's been thrown into prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed Joseph mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not on anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. This is incredible. Joseph sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. Potiphar goes, man, everything you do, God blesses. Here, have all my stuff. Just take care of it. I don't care. You just do it. I mean, that's the way I understand it. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's the way I understand it. Potiphar's going, I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Joseph's got it. Then the situation happens. He gets thrown in prison. And before long, uh, we don't, we're not told how long he's there before this happens. But we know that before long, the keeper of the prison says, I don't have to do my job anymore. Joseph's going to do it. I just got to clock in. Basically, obviously, not exactly, but you understand what I'm saying. I just got to clock in, and, and Joseph's got it all under control. Everything Joseph does prospers. Why? Because the Lord's with him. Why is the Lord with him? Can I go back to this morning? Because Joseph had a relationship with God, a right relationship with God, and he received the full benefit of it. And you can argue with me if you want to that being in Potiphar's house was not a benefit and that being in prison was not a benefit. But I'll tell you, we know the, this, this, how the story unfolds. It was putting him right where God wanted him to be. Now, could have God just named him, you know, doing the same thing he did at Potiphar's house in the nation of Egypt? Sure, I guess he could have. But how was I going to learn from that? I wasn't. Uh, throughout the Bible, God... Uh, proves his people by giving them the opportunity to obey. And those that followed through and obeyed, God blessed and rewarded. By the way, we'll look back at it. I, my plan is to look back on it here in a few chapters. But remember the promise that God made to Joseph's father and grandfather and great-grandfather? Um, I'm going to bless your, your house, and you're going to create this nation that's from you. Joseph's that. And, uh, and what he's starting to do is going to be great. Uh, a couple nights, a couple Wednesday nights ago, last Wednesday night or the Wednesday night before, we talked about anti-Semitism starting up in Egypt. I mean, here, here it is, right, with Potiphar's wife. This Hebrew, he gave us this Hebrew to mock us. Um, it's already starting, but it's going to get thicker in the next several chapters. But um, the, ultimate, the ultimate lesson here from the Potiphar, Potiphar's house experience is God was with Joseph, and it doesn't say it this way, but Joseph was with God. They had that right relationship, and, and in doing so, God took care of everything in Joseph's life, even in the hardest of moments. Listen, 18 years old, maybe, 17 years old, maybe, 19 years old, maybe, He's in Potiphar's house as a servant. He just came from being his father's favorite son to being a slave. But he prospered. And he goes from being Potiphar's favorite slave to a prisoner. But he prospered. And he's going to go from 
the prison card's favorite prisoner to Pharaoh's favorite Jew, for lack of a better term, uh, very, very soon as well. Next week, we'll look at the prison and, uh, and what goes on in the prison. To me, it's one of the most, uh, it's not my favorite part of Joseph's life, but it's one of the most darkly humorous areas of Joseph's life, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, interesting, nonetheless, we'll look at the, the butler and the baker uh, next week in the, in the prison. Lord, help us to be what Joseph was, faithful. Uh, help us to be obedient. Help us to understand that a right relationship with you uh, allows us to prosper. God, help us to lean on you, to trust you, and to follow you, just as the example that Joseph gives us. Uh, Lord, even we, we know we're going to be bombarded with different circumstances in life, hardships, and then also with temptation. Uh, Lord, help us to respond the way that Joseph did, to flee from it, to refuse it. Uh, Lord, to not give it any of our time. So help us, Lord, this week to be what you want us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back Wednesday night.